and welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Elle, and this is episode 39. This is the second to last episode of season two. Season two ends with episode 40, which will air on August 21st. And season three will begin on October 9th. So we're taking a little bit of a break, but you are free to listen to past episodes to catch up. All right. So today's episode is brought to you by Black Wall Street, the board game and play Black Wall Street, the Academy. This site supports the education of financial literacy for black families. Visit Play Black Wall Street and use the discount code CLEVERLY, all caps, that's C-L-E-V-E-R-L-Y for 25% off site-wide. This discount cannot be used in combination with any other discount. In this episode, we will talk about 504 plans in a remote learning setting. If you find yourself homeschooling for whatever reason, this is an episode that you'll need to hear. If you are a new listener to our podcast, I'd like to thank you for joining us. I am an entrepreneur, mom to twin girls, and this podcast is not only for parents who homeschool their children, but it is for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, please also consider supporting it by donating regularly through our Patreon page at a low monthly cost. Visit patreon.com slash cleverly changing. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash cleverly changing. Today's African proverb is, you cannot build a house for last year's summer. And that's an Ethiopian proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the language Izikosa. Ntana. Ntana means child. Okay, so thank you to everybody who is joining us. I do apologize about the technical difficulties today. We really wanted to go live because I know I've been getting a lot of questions about 504 plans and distance learning. We know that many of you are new to homeschooling, you're new to being at home with your kids all day. And I really wanted to partner with some experts who know more about 504 plans than I do and really help to really facilitate the conversation so that you will feel more empowered and 
that's what this discussion is all about. I have a guest with me today, Amelia, and I really want you to introduce yourself and tell everybody about you so that they'll know um, about your expertise. Hi there. So um, my name is Amelia. I am a registered nurse and I have many hats. Um, I'm a care coordinator for kids who have special needs um, and have been a care coordinator for some years. And um, among that role, I have helped um, families with 504 plans and um, helping kids to um, settle into new school environments. So that's awesome. Can you, just to get the conversation going, can you explain what the difference between an IEP and a 504 plan is? Sure, so most of my work um, as a care coordinator has been helping families with the 504 plans. And as I talk about the difference, it will kind of make more sense. So with the 504 plans, um, I'm able to know and see based on their clinical diagnosis, some of the challenges that they may have with um, going up and down lots of stairs. They might need access to an elevator or um, writing um, a lot. They might need to have um, they might need to have a scribe or they might need to have um, to use the keyboard or um, based on their needs to get up and stretch and move around. They may need just that um, permission to get up and have frequent breaks. Um, that's a 504 plan. It's about um, having access to um, to, is about modifications and removing barriers um, in that way. The IEP, so, so if you look at the 504 plan, it's more of a blueprint. It's more of a blueprint of these are the things that you know kids will need to be successful in the classroom. Um, the IEP, however, is more than just a blueprint. It is an actual plan, it's an actual program, it's an actual um, program to help kids meet specific goals. Um, the 504 plan doesn't necessarily have goals that kids need to meet. It just says they need X, Y, Z. Some of the plans can just be a list of things that they need. Um, IEPs are more so goals, education goals that they um, need. It's a it's a learning, it's pretty much, it is a learning plan. And um, because of that, I do less with the IEPs just because, you know, my clinical expertise really doesn't um, give me what I, or, or give the child what they need to meet their educational goals, if that makes sense. Yes. So basically the 504 plan is something that a clinician has identified. And the IEP is saying there was this clinician diagnosis and now this is what we're going to do to make sure the child is on par with their peers. Yes. And um, with the 504 plans, um, a clinician can, you know, help with that. Um, the school can, you know, initiate that. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. So um, it's more, I guess, general. It's more general, more broad, I would say. Um, and the um, because it is kind of more broad, it's like who can have it is also broad. Who can have a 504 plan and blah, blah, blah. Um, with the IEPs, they're specific. It's more specific in terms of diagnosis um, or qualification criteria for that. I'm not familiar with that, um, but it's more specific in qualification criteria. And, um, you know, if somebody wants to know if they qualify or feels they do, um, things can always be written in such a way where the child can get the support they need. But again, don't, I don't do too much with the educational plans and setting the goals and objectives for the IEPs. 
All right. So for families who are home with their kids right now, we're dealing with COVID-19, which is definitely something that none of us have ever encountered yeah. before mm -hmm. in our life. And sometimes some of the kids have disabilities and other challenges. What can families do to identify whether or not their child is, has a 504 plan? Because I think sometimes, you know, the majority of parents are definitely going to know. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are some circumstances where the guardian isn't fully aware of what it even means. What can mm -hmm. they do? So, so depending on the kid's diagnosis, um, I would take a look at their at the website. Um, like for, I work with a large population of kids who have rheumatologic concerns. Um, the website that provides like a ton of information about school, um, school school supports is the Arthritis Foundation. So if somebody were to you know take a look at, um, so I would suggest like you know if they have arthritis, you know take a look at Arthritis Foundation and 504 plans. And they have so much information um, there. Um, if you know that you're a child that has um, any specific disorder or concern or challenge um, and that the school kind of just has been taking care of it and you're really not quite sure what has been happening for whatever reason, just, you know, just not necessarily on your radar. Um, I invite you to, you know, take a look at the, um, the disease or the, um, the, the, the association, the association related to the challenge that you have and look at the materials and resources and guidelines that they have. And that could, you know, be a good um, good prompt to start the conversation around, um, you know, just being, you know, transparent. It's like, you know, I know my child received all sorts of services in the school. Um, now that we're here, I'm not quite sure how that looks. Um, I just recently, um, just in communication with the families that I deal with, um, work with day to day, um, one mom, they had an IEP meeting um, scheduled and those meetings are every so often. Um, they had it scheduled, but it was canceled um, due to COVID. I mean, lots of things were canceled. Well, now that we're about four weeks in, you know, I'm not going to say that we're all used to this now, but now that we're four weeks in, it's like, hey, you know, I know that we had a meeting scheduled to discuss X, Y, Z. Um, that was canceled. I'd like to talk about how we can have that rescheduled and that meeting be done virtually. Um, just start having those conversations. And um, and the same thing for services. If you knew that your kid, you know, got different services, whether it's speech or um, speech or, you know, um, even physical therapy. It's like, you know, I know my kid received these therapies in school. Um, now that we're home, I like to start a conversation about how this will be transferred over to a virtual setting or if it can or if there's something that we can do to, you know, kind of keep the gains that we have been getting. Um, this could be a good time to definitely start that so I like to give people actionable steps. So the first thing that they can do is whatever their health diagnosis is, go to that website, or they could even type in Google whatever the health, um, the illness or health complication is and put in 504 plan along with that in Google and then see what comes up and start there. That's one of the places to start. But they can really just contact their school and ask yeah yeah absolutely so, so that's probably the best way just contact yeah. your school and say mm -hmm. you know what did my child receive and how can that be accommodated you know what accommodations can you provide now that we're at home yeah yeah 
I think that's that's excellent. I think those are simple ways that families can be proactive. And I think it's something that is totally doable if, you know, not everybody has access to internet or data plans, but there are resources, even if you Google, um, you know, discounted data plans because of COVID-19, sometimes those, that's one way that if that's one of your barriers, you can't get online, that's one of the barriers, contact the local cable companies, our internet providers in your area, let them know and see what is available. Because if you seek out help and you ask, there are resources that have been put in place to help all types of different families to get the resources that they need so that their children can be taken care of. So that's one of the things that we encourage you to do. Is there something else that um, families can do outside of just with the schools? Should they seek help from their clinician, their um, medical professionals? Yes. So um, I can only speak to um, children's health care because that's my background. Um, but um, a lot. So the fact so, so the news is, is that children's your clinicians, they are open for business. Um, it's amazing to me. I've been in healthcare for over 10 years and the whole telemedicine and virtual health, it has in large parts, especially in pediatric health, for whatever reason, it has been just talk. It has been just talk. But over the past few weeks, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's been it's been like amazing to watch. It's like all of a sudden there's, you know, there's, you know, there's we're doing, you know, visits, we're doing calls, we're doing um, we're doing assessments and um, some of those assessments, I might get off on a tangent, have been so much better than they have in the clinic because in the clinic, we, we're, we're taking the families outside of their home, bringing them into our world, and then we're doing an assessment. But when you're talking to families and taking a look at, you know, them and their family and, you know, what they have going on in the background, um, taking a look in the refrigerator, taking a look in the refrigerator and seeing what and really gets to see the interactions it's been um, it's been amazing. It really has been amazing, and I hope we don't forget the lessons and the experience and the um, the the feeling of being able to actually come into the home of our families. I hope we don't forget that. But um, I'm getting off on a tangent. But yes, check in with your clinicians. <laughs> but I, I love what you just brought up because it is a positive move. You know, so yeah. much of what we've been inundated with hasn't been positive. Mm -hmm. And I think what you mentioned has been one of the silver linings of this whole experience. I know um, I didn't really introduce myself at the beginning of the conversation, but I have a child who has sickle cell anemia and also type one diabetes. I, If my child was in public school, I would be familiar with 504 plans, but I've never sent her to school. I've always homeschooled. And one of my fears was always, you know, it's, it's so much to get out to 
you know, to send her to school, especially if she's not feeling well and things like that. And I just felt like it would be easier for me to homeschool. But mm -hmm. I do see the benefits of sending your child to public school and letting them get the things that they need in terms of the resources. There are a lot more resources available for children with illnesses who get a public school education. There is actually funding that is set aside for those children and you know, it's an advantage. So if you can take advantage of those resources, by all means do so. And I love that you said the virtual world has given mm -hmm. um, a positive, just uh, it's been positive because it's been more interaction, yeah. more um, face to face, because one of the barriers to a lot of people is just getting to appointments. Oh you know, God. getting out of the house, getting there. And sometimes there's anxiety yeah. associated with the whole feeling of going to an appointment. And if you're at home and you're meeting people where they're comfortable, yeah. where they're, um, they're at ease in so many other ways. And so I love that you brought that up because it's one of the positive changes that mm -hmm. we probably would have never anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, it's just the um, it's just getting to an appointment is hectic, especially if you have more than one child, right? Um, I can't. Oh my goodness, I I can't imagine that. Um, so much respect for kids who are able to and families who are able to wrangle, you know, all and get them to an appointments and you know sit there and trying to keep the kids occupied and entertained while also getting information to the doctor and understanding. I don't. I honestly. As a, even though I'm a health, I don't know how that works. <laughs> so it's like, I'm like highly impressed like every day. But um, yeah, so they're like, so yeah, so it's like the attention is there. And yeah, being able to, and um, the doc and the providers who, who do, um, you know, are able to also have a, a little bit more time, mm. a little bit more time with the families. It's just, it's just different. And it's just, it's just different. And, um, it's not, it's, it's just, it's been interesting to watch from this end. So, um, and the family seemed to, you know, enjoy it too, obviously, I think. Um, I mean, while there are some things that it's harder, it, it's harder to do certain like physical assessments, those are, you know, just granted. Right. But it's just interesting to see what, how that is even changing. It's like asking, you know, hey, you know, pull your skin and do this and, you know, and it's been interesting, but yeah, but like you had said, um, yeah, public school, you know, they do have, um, they do have the, the resources that, that are there and um, different things that are available that may not be as easy to access at home, but in the home environment, um, that can have a bonus in so many ways. Um, I didn't share about that background, but my mom homeschooled me. Um, so, um, and my brother who also, who had, you know, he has special needs. So, um, it, it can be done. Um, this is, you know, there, there are no experts here. Um, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a COVID situation expert. Nobody <laughs> <Everybody> is. <laughs> Side note, spoiler alert. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, there are some, there are some bright sides that I have been seeing. So I, I just want to um, reiterate the fact that some parents may not realize that they that there is telemedicine available to them mm -hmm. and their children at this time. Yeah. So if you if you're listening or you're watching the replay, definitely let us know you're watching the replay, and 
If you um, didn't know about telemedicine, definitely seek out your healthcare providers. I know mm -hmm. I've gotten a few emails letting me know that appointments are still available, but they're doing them via telemedicine. Yeah. Um, because my daughter also has other healthcare needs, they're saying you can come into the office, but you can't bring any of their siblings. So I could see how um, mm -hmm. telemedicine for people yeah. who have multiple children is even more of a reassurance because, you know, for, you know, I'm blessed where my husband is home. So if I, you know, if something came up and I really needed to go to the hospital with my daughter to see the, um, the doctor, I would be able to do so because my daughter could stay with her dad, but not everybody is in that situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a single parent trying to accommodate you know, one child who has health needs and the other children don't, what do they do with their kids? I'm not even sure. Um, but mm -hmm. in terms of telemedicine, mm -hmm. what a blessing. Yeah. What yeah. a blessing. And, and one thing I will say too, um, for people who think, oh, well, my, my practice probably doesn't ask them because um, healthcare folks, they're not the best marketers. <laughs> they're not the best at getting the word out about stuff in general. And um it's just, it's, I, I won't say too much because I'm still working in a facility, thank goodness, and I'm grateful. But that's something I will say. They are not the best marketers. So don't think, oh, my practice or my specialist doesn't have um, just because, you know, I haven't seen anything on social media or I didn't get an email or I didn't get, I didn't hear anything on the radio. They're not great at getting the word out. And slash, this is pretty, this is something I've never seen before with the speed of which they're getting stuff out. Um, kind of making adjustments to um, credentialing. You know, it used to be you had to be credentialed in a specific state in order to provide care. Now it's like, well, if, you know, it's a follow-up visit and you're not credentialed, um, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a lawyer. But, you know, adjustments are being made quickly. And, um, and just reach out to your practice and ask. It's like, hey, you know, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear a message that you guys are so open for business. Are you? And I think you might be surprised. I think what you said is so important because um, we actually had one of the, um, we had a clinician who we were out of the state before the stay at home laws um, were put into effect. Mm -hmm. And they told us, well, because you're not in your home state, um, I can't see you. And I was like, I was surprised, but um, because I knew that was the case before COVID, but they said, you know, now with COVID, um, a lot of those laws have been relaxed. Mm -hmm. So even if you were told it wasn't available prior to COVID, definitely follow up because many of those laws have been relaxed now and they are available to interact um in a capacity that they weren't before yeah yeah so try again guys try again yeah yes yes mm -hmm. so i love that you brought up um another fact about um the t the amount of technology that is being utilized is much greater so the technology has been out there but the implementation of it has been a lot slower um now we face the um the change of 
we have to do this. So the whole energy behind technology and coming up with accommodations has been significantly increased. And so, um, you know, whatever you knew beforehand when it came to healthcare, you kind of have to rethink that because things have really opened up and blossomed in a whole new way that just didn't exist before. Although the technology was there, maybe the training for the healthcare professionals weren't wasn't available at that time, but all of a sudden there has been a need that has made it um, urgent. Yeah. So yeah. so the technology and the training has been available. Yeah. And so I think this is also another way for parents to be even more hands on to really understand what is going on with their children all day. So, you know, parents know specifically, you know, more questions to ask. Can you kind of um, tell us what you would advise for parents who are, you know, they're noticing new things about their kids that they may not have known because their child was at school all day. How can they kind of record those? What's the best way to write the questions down and record them for their children's doctor or clinician? Yeah, so um, so with our kids, um, our, our patient population, we do encourage families to keep um, diaries. Um, we kind of do name them based on the things that we care about. We might call it a fever diary or a pain diary, but you know, one can also do that, um, especially because of all that's going on with um, you know, different health concerns that are going on. Um, it can kind of be helpful, you know, when you do say something, say something like out of the out of norm does happen and you do have to seek medical care. A, question that they frequently ask, well, how long has this been happening? And sometimes because we don't necessarily track or take diaries, we can say, oh, I, I don't know, maybe a few, it could be more often than that, but we're not really paying attention. So um, it's a, it could be a great opportunity to just, you know, use this time that we have where we're more observant to our children, to their needs, to things that are going on, um, to just, you know, take a note, you know, write those down. And then, you know, at the end of the week or uh, maybe as you're preparing for the next week on Sunday, you know, take a look and see what was going up, what things or concerns kept coming up and kind of became a theme and just do a check in with the child's teacher and says, hey, you know, I know that you um, um, that you, you know, spend the most time with them you know, during the day. Now that we're home, I'm noticing X, Y and Z. Is this something that showed up in class? Is this something you guys have noticed, too? Um, should I be worried about that or, you know, and then just have that as an opening for a conversation. I love that you just mentioned that families should keep a diary or a journal about what's going on. So they should probably date it. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like to be very specific and very practical for everybody. So putting the date is very helpful, putting um, symptoms and, um, you know, so you mentioned following the trends. Like, what are you noticing that is trending? Maybe that's something they could highlight or underline just so that they can keep an eye on, oh, is this normal so that they can quickly look back at it? Because I know right now people probably don't have a lot of time. So it's how can you make this beneficial to you in a short amount of time? So, you know, maybe a bullet journal where you're just writing down certain bullets, not mm -hmm. writing full, you know, so when we think of diary, we think of this. Oh, yeah. Paragraph stuff. Yeah. No, 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 not that. <laughs> not that. Because, yeah, that can be. That, yeah, no, no, not that. This is just the bullet points, like you said, the highlights. Yes, 
So is there anything else that they should put down? Like, so you mentioned symptoms. Um, we talked about the date. We talked about trends. Is there anything else, um, like, should um, parents be writing down maybe meals? Should Are there some other things that could be beneficial to write down? Um, so I, I mean, in my role as a care coordinator, I always defer to the parent as what's normal for their child, especially with, um, you know, anytime you're dealing with a um so I, my, my background has been with rare, di rare diseases um, and, you know, rheumatologic and autoimmune concerns. So a kid with a, one um, autoimmune concern, um, what's concerning and what's not normal for them is different for another child. So right. I, I always say, well, what's, you know, what's out of the norm for your child? You know, those things. I mean, not necessarily, of course, you know, detailed of every single thing that they're doing, but if... <laughs> If their kid, you know, has a specific challenge or something that comes up that's like, oh wow, that's not, that's my, that's not my child, or that was, that was odd, and just, you know, just take a look at, like I said, write those things down, the outliers, um, the concerns, and, um, and then take a look to see if it keeps coming up. Um, is it, you know, around a certain time of day that this keeps happening? Maybe it's, you know, time for a break. You know, I don't know, but um, yeah. So it really is individualized and depends on, you know, the parents understanding or, um, or what they know to be normal or for their kid. Or if there's, like I said, if there's something that's concerning to them, um, I defer to their wisdom on that. Um, so just make note of it. And, you know, like I said, on Sunday, just take a look and see, you know, how the past week has been. Has there, was there a particular, you know, outburst around something or, um, is it a certain time of day that, you know, it's hard to, um, you know, get on track or, um, you know, of course like health, issues or um whatnot that come up you know of course kind of make track of that the teachers may not care about that but you know it's just it could be good uh, could be helpful yeah so when you were saying that i also want to bring up that families can also write down games you don't always want to focus on you know the negative or mm -hmm. those concerns also write down your wins that you're noticing yeah. with your kid because not mm -hmm. everything not all of the Things that are unusual are bad things. Sometimes it's positive things. Yeah, you know, those are. You yeah. want to write the gains down mm -hmm. as well. Super helpful. Yes, especially for um, yeah, yes. Amen to that. Nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I just if people have future questions, um, should they? How can they get in touch with you? So um, if. If people have you know questions or concerns about their children, always reach out to your primary care provider. First step, um, and if they you know have questions about you know whether or not their office is open for business, I mean definitely do that. Um, otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I spend you know time on LinkedIn. Um, Amelia J. Roberts over there, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much yeah. But I think the best way to contact me. Okay. And I know that you have a podcast too. Can you um, tell everybody about your podcast? Yeah. So I have a passion project um, called The Business of Nursing. And it's the goal of it is to elevate the voice of nurses, um, specifically nurses who know that they can help a lot of people outside of a hospital. <laughs> um, life goes on outside the hospital. And I feel as though there are, there are uh, millions of nurses and there's millions of nurses we're sharing evidence-based um, practice and helpful advice and um, really sharing um, helpful information in a large way, I 
feel like the world would be a different place. But <laughs> I really want to help nurses who feel as though that they um, need to get their voice out there. And that, that means um, changing their career or um, doing healthcare in a different way or even starting their own business. I really want them to feel supported in um, going to that next chapter. So the Business of Nursing is a podcast where I interview experts um, to share different um, sides of the healthcare industry, different opportunities. I had you on as um, the patient advocate, you know, patient advocate role. I mean, what that looks like, that can be a whole entire thing. Um, I've had, you know, a web designer. I've had a brand strategist. I've had somebody who, a few people who've had their startups. But yeah, that's the business of nursing. All right. So definitely look up the Business of Nursing podcast. But I thank you for spending time with us and just really educating us parents on what we can do to advocate for our kids while we're at home. Because we don't always know, sometimes we don't always know the questions that we need to ask. And so I think this whole conversation kind of allowed us to kind of talk about what parents can do right now to be proactive for their children and help them get the best care even while they're at home so mm -hmm. it's not like all of the resources have all of a sudden gone out of the window there are things that are available for you and your kids that you can take advantage of right now you may not have known about them prior to this conversation but definitely talk to your clinicians, talk to your children's teacher, talk to the superintendent, get your kids what they need. If they, if they need computers, if they need um, some more accommodations, you, you say, hey, this is what I'm noticing. How, what can you guys provide to help us in that area? So sometimes people don't get what they need because they don't know how to ask. So with this conversation, we are encouraging you to ask seek the help that you need, and also take, um, write down as much as you can. Um, do it as far as bullet points and, you know, put the dates and things like that. But definitely start creating a resource or just a page with your questions so that you'll know what to ask the teacher, so you'll know what to ask the clinician. And so Amelia, I wanna thank you for spending time with us today. I know that we got off to a little rough start, but sometimes with technology, that's what happens, but we, we're not gonna give up. No. We didn't give up, and I think that this conversation was very beneficial. So people definitely, Follow her on LinkedIn and also connect with her podcast, The Business of Nursing. Do you have any final words that you would like to share? Um, no, I don't. Um, there's something that I've said a lot as like a quote I've always said is healthcare is a team sport. It's a team sport. It really is. And, um, you know, especially in the pediatric world, it's like that's my that's my lane. Um, the providers are super passionate about helping kids thrive and they also have not necessarily been able to, of course, be as hands-on as they would like to be. And um, little insider tip because of that, um, they have a lot of pent-up energy and they're going to be loving to be on your team and helping you um, get what you need for your child. I mean, they have been, it's been amazing too, because yeah, they've also have had lots of opportunity to do some little bit more digging and researching and finding of resources themselves. So um, just another plug to check back in with your team um, if not already. 
this conversation was especially helpful to me because it encourages me to seek out to my daughter's clinicians more um, and not just say, you know, we're home and that's it, you know, and just leave it there because there's so many more resources um, that may not have been available to me before as a homeschooler that may be open up now, you know, I just have to seek out and ask and find out. So I know the conversation has been helpful to me and I know it has been helpful to others as well. So thank you for your time. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>